He didn't want to be like a Debbie Downer. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, I think you're hiding something. Actually, I think you're hiding a deep dark secret. Yeah. And it's you're using steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Exploring Middle Earth. I believe this is episode 17, and today we will be diving into The Hobbit, chapter 6. Out of the frying... Yeah, out, <laughs> out of the... I was trying to think what it was. Out of, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Um, so, my name is Grant. I am the resident Tolkien expert here. I am one out of two members. 50%. Previously three members. Uh, but yeah, I'm the resident Tolkien expert. I know a lot. I see a lot. I am a lot. You do a lot. I do a lot. I yeah. would like to do a lot. Yes. I'm, a, I'm about <laughs> to do a lot. Oh, you're about uh, to. <laughs> and then uh, joining me today is Jay, as always. Hello. I'm or, Jay, as always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was dumb. <laughs> so No, that's okay. Yeah. We're just, we're just kind of doing this on the fly. So Yeah, I'm the resident Tolkien expert. Uh, know a little more than more than a little know a little a lot do little do little <laughs> dr do little yeah, i'm the resident dr do little um i know a little i know a little more than a little that's how i'll put it this time oh, okay i'm gonna try to come up with a new way to say it every episode so this one i know a little more than a little oh, okay I like it. but not as much as grant a little more than a little but a little less than grant but a lot a little of a lot of less than grant because it's not just yeah. a little if yeah. that makes sense. But I'm just mediocre, you know, in my knowledge and personality. I would say you're above average. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, yeah. Well, like Grant said, we're doing Chapter 6, Out of the Frying Pan into the Fire. Classic title. And a, and a, um, another big thing happens in this uh, chapter. Not as big as last one, but there's some some birds in this chapter that are a big deal. A lot of people draw yeah. them. But here, I, just listen. I'm gonna give you a summary. Okay, <laughs> just listen up, real <laughs> yeah. quick. Yeah. So Bilbo made it out of the mountain. Um, in the at the end of the last chapter, so he's out of the mountain now, but he doesn't know where the rest of the party is. Uh, so he thinks about heading back into the mountain to look for them, but then he hears some voices. So then he goes to check it out, and he realizes it's the rest of the party, and they're talking about if they should head back and look for Bilbo or not. And Gandalf wants to, but the rest of the dwarfs don't want to. And Bilbo still has the ring on, so they can't see him, and that's how he snuck up to him. And then, uh, after a little bit, he reveals himself, and they're all shocked, and like, whoa, dude, oh, what the heck? He's like, I'm here. I thought it'd be funny if he, like, revealed himself, and they, like, there was no reaction, and then he just has to go <laughs> and like, sit down. <laughs> they're like, when did you get here? Yeah. So, he's he shows up, and then they're all like, "That you're amazing, dude. Great guy. Like him Standing a lot. Standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody. Insert, uh, insert applause right yeah, there. Yeah, everybody applaud. Uh, Sauron was applauding too. Obama was yeah, there. Obama was there for some <laughs> reason, but he was. Um, so they ask him to tell the story. So he tells this whole story about how he got out, but he leaves out the part about the ring, the ring ting, and um, ring ting. But Gandalf is a little sus. He's a little, <laughs> Gandalf is a little suspicious about um, when I when I wrote my notes, <laughs> I was like I wrote suspicious because I was talking about Gandalf as well when he was uh when Bilbo came back and how he was suspicious <laughs> and I, I wanted to say sus, but I didn't. But then now I'm 
second guessing myself because like we do that on this podcast. Yeah. We don't we don't really we care. on this podcast. No, we don't really care what we say. <laughs> yeah, dude. As far as slang words. Uh, yeah, as far yeah. Okay, so Gandalf S- I was gonna say slurs, but <laughs> no, we it's don't. slang. We don't say slurs on this podcast. Slang is different or than off slur. this podcast, or Anywhere. in our head. In our head, we don't say it. Yeah. Okay, so Gandalf uh, is suspicious, and Bilbo realizes that Gandalf's suspicious because Gandalf gives him a yeah. su- a sus look. He's mad sussy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're like, "Hey, we should probably." Or Gandalf's like, "Hey, we should probably get out of here, not just hang out here." And everybody's like, "Sure, yeah, sure." Yeah, the goblins are probably on their heels. Yeah, heels. So, so the party takes off, and they're like, we'll head towards the Blue Mountain because that's where we're supposed to go. So they were going there. But then when they camp out at the night, and they hear the howling of what they think are wolves, oh. which what we'll learn in the next sentence are not. What would it be? A coyote? No. They – wait. Where did I write it down? I want to make sure I'm – wargs. Wargs, right? Yeah. Well, How do it was you say a, it? It was, yeah, it's wargs, but like I was just asking a dumb question, but oh. I think it's just funny because I know what it is. <laughs> this is just for the listener. It's here. funny because Grant's yeah. smart. This is but, just for the listener. Yeah. What was it? it was, was it a coyote? They're wargs. Whoa. Which are just bad wolves. Big bad wolves. Big bad wolves. Not the big bad wolf from the story. No. Um, In the movies, though, the wargs, they to kind of set them aside from the uh or set them apart from normal wolves they have like shorter uh snouts mm-hmm. and they're obviously bigger and kind of bulkier but yeah um it's basically just a bigger more evil wolf yeah more prone to evil and they hold conferences as you can you'll see yeah they actually have a like a business center uh, they, yeah they hold they, seminars yeah that's what sets seminars, them apart yeah. from regular wolves uh they regularly uh are involved in pyramid schemes yeah <laughs> so level marketing and... yeah so <laughs> so the party's like hey we got to get away and they're like oh, why don't we go up these trees right on the edge of this ravine or whatever <laughs> and they're like that's a great idea yeah yeah so they uh get cornered or I guess treed. I yeah, mean, there's not really corner, but the wargs come and surround them, um, and they're stuck up in trees. Um, and uh, this is where the first movie ends, but not the book, because the book goes on. It goes on and on. I should probably finish the summary soon. Yeah. Yeah. So they so they uh, are stuck up there, and then the goblins come. And well, no, they're stuck up there and they surround the trees. And then that's when they have the seminar because the, there's like this lead warg and he's he's the speaker for that seminar. Yeah, he speaks. A, they speak a weird wolf language that Gandalf can understand. Yeah, but nobody else can understand it. How do you think it would sound? Because it'd probably be like a like just growl. Like, would it be like growls and like grunts and stuff? Or would it and be probably like, howls? Yeah. Or would it be like an actual language? I don't know. It, it would probably just be yeah. growls and grunts and howls and hunts. <laughs> hunts. That was just an extra thing I added to rhyme. That's cool. Yeah. So they, so Gandalf is like listening to them. And what he finds out is that there's these uh, men that have come and started cutting down trees and started a settlement nearby. And the wargs uh, want to attack him. So then the goblins come and they're. Cause they they got like a close re- a business relationship. Yeah, they got like a mutual relationship. Strictly business. They so. they help each other out. You know. Yeah, Grant's gonna talk a little bit more about that. But all you need to know right now is it's strictly business. So the so the goblins and the wargs are like, hey, we're gonna go attack these men, and they think that the dwarves in Gandalf and the Hobbit are 
in like the spies. Truth. Yeah, yeah. The things are the human or male sp- or man, male. <laughs> not male. Yeah, man spies. Yeah, they're um, the spies for the men who lived out yeah. in the valley. Yeah. So, so the goblins don't realize that it's the dwarves. Um. So, but they're like, hey, what the heck? Those are the people who just escaped. Yeah. They that sound just that like type that. of thing. Yeah. So, or G- er, Gandalf is like, "Hey, I don't see how we're gonna get out of this. I'll set some pine cones on fire and throw it at him." Really? So that's exactly <laughs> what he does. What? I, I just think that's so funny. <laughs> hey, I don't see what, how we're gonna get out of this. So I'm just gonna set these pine cones on fire and throw. Yeah. Them at him. And they're different colors. He has a blue one, a red one, and a green, green one. Yeah. The fire, not the pine cones. Yeah. Um. Pretty colors. Yeah. So he throws them, and then it's like magic fire, so it catches easier. And so all the war, or most of the wards start getting on fire and it's spreading, and they're all like freaking out, uh, cause they're scared of fire. They're yipping and yammering. Yeah, but goblins aren't scared of fire. No. But so the it, the fire spreads throughout the population of wards that are around there, and the goblins are like, hey, we got you guys. So they start putting it out, stamping on it. But the thing that the part they don't put out is the one right under the trees where the the party is. Yeah. Um, not like a cool party, but where the party of dwarves are. Yeah. It's not like a party up in there. Um, so they are stuck there. And then these eagles, some big eagles are like, hey, what the heck's going on down there? Because we can see really far is exactly what they <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> we can see really far. Hey, what the heck's going on over there? Because we can see over there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, why don't we go investigate? So they fly. Um, oh. And there's a few of them. And they're huge. And they're, like, looking around, and they're circling over, and they're like, hey, what the heck? And Gandalf's like, you know what, I'm going to jump. Um, Gandalf jumps, and everybody's like, <gasps> and it's, like, slow motion, like, <gasps> and the uh, the Lord of the Eagles goes, I got you, bro, and catches him. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> yeah, and then the other eagles come and take the uh, hobbit and dwarves, and they fly them away to safety, Um and then they put them on the great shelf, is what it's called. And then they go get them food, and the party uh, replenishes their health, and they take a short rest. And then, <laughs> oh, thanks, Grant. You're welcome. Yeah, just so you guys could get some sounds going in there. Yeah. So they take the short rest, and the adventure of the Misty Mountain is over. Yep. The <laughs> now. We... <laughs> Okay, the before we get into what Grant's gonna talk about, there's one thing I wanted to mention or talk about, and in the summary, I oh I hit sorry Mike, the mic sorry Mike <laughs> the microphone I hit the microphone Mike um so there's in the chapter or in the in the summary I talked about how Gandalf wanted or Bilbo wanted to go back and look in the mountains yeah and in the first what is this one two the third paragraph of the chapter, it says he wondered whether he ought to. Not now that he had the magic ring to go back in the horrible, horrible tunnels for his friends, and he was about to go back. And I'm wondering if that's like the ring trying to pull him back in to get him away. But then also, now that I'm saying this, it wouldn't make sense for the ring to bring him back if the ring wants to get too solid. Yeah, well, when you when you first said that too, that's what I thought too, because I was like, oh yeah, maybe it's just trying to get away. But then I was like, oh, but the whole point of Bilbo finding it was so that I could get out of the caves. Yeah, so, so I don't know. It, so it that could be. that argument held up for like two seconds. It held up until I was done <laughs> saying the sentence, and then I realized it was wrong. It was good though, because I thought the same exact thing. Yeah. So that's what a that's what a mediocre person would think. But you were like, I was thinking for a second, but no, I know oh, not. I know right. that's wrong. <laughs> and I was like, this is gonna take me a while to figure out. Right. But Grant, now that the summary's what? done and the listeners know what the heck happened, why don't you tell them about what you're gonna talk about? 
Yes, I've got uh three short things to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna try and make short jokes. But, I was going yeah. to. Uh, dwarves, hobbits, and uh, uh Tom Cruise. He's Tom short. Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> He's short. Um. Anyway, so the first thing I want to talk about is uh, Bilbo's kind of like redeeming moment. Uh, at the beginning of the chapter slash the end of the last chapter there, mm-hmm. uh, which was Riddles in the Dark. So, um, as you know, well, if you listened to the last episode or if you've seen the movie or if you've read the book, you will know. Or if a friend has told you. Or if someone's told you or if you just found out somehow. Anyways. Or if you're re-listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, Bilbo, uh, he finds the ring down in the cave where Gollum is and he does this whole riddle game with him to try and kind of like bargain with Gollum so he could help him out but then Gollum kind of uh, uh, betrays or he doesn't really betray him because they weren't allied to begin with but he kind of uh, um, does his little sneaky deceives him his little sneaky uh, deception thing I don't know (laughs) anyway so uh, Bilbo escapes and he's running out the front gate and there's a bunch of goblins at the front gate but Bilbo's got his ring on and he's invisible and he, he squeezes through the gate and loses by, a few buttons. He loses a few buttons, and by the time the goblins see the buttons kind of falling down, they're like, "There's like someone, there's someone in the door." <laughs> so they go after him, but he he escapes, and the door closes, and then he runs down the mountain, and then that's where you were kind of talking about how he was wondering if he should go back in the cave because he wasn't sure if they were still in there mm-hmm. or if he should co- uh, continue down the mountain, and they might be down there waiting for him, or yes. they might have moved on. So, <clears throat> the whole redeeming part of or that whole part right there was redeeming for him because it was actually like, um, uh, like he, in, in the cave with Gollum, he showed a lot of courage and bravery because he was facing up against something. He didn't really know much about Gollum, you know, like he was just mm-hmm. this creepy little dude. Yeah. And then he had to run and jump over Gollum and he wasn't even sure at first if he was invisible cause he didn't know that the ring could do that. And then he had to, uh, sneak past the guards to get to the gate and then, go out of the gate and then um and then he also had to make a decision in the moment after he got out of the gate whether or not he wanted to go back in and look for his friends or continue looking outside for his friends so that was i mean that would probably be for anyone that would probably be a hard decision to make because it's like well i mean they kind of closed the gate so it's like would you even be able to open it to get back in there or Mm -hmm would you just risk it? Cause you don't know. I mean, you would, I would probably bet if I had Gandalf for a friend though, I'd be like, yeah, they probably made it out. They're probably yeah. good. But, um, so he was faced with that decision. He had to run past Gollum and run past the guards. And then eventually he does find the dwarves and Gandalf. And that's when Gandalf was saying, Oh, should we go back to the mountains to find Bilbo? But maybe not because it's getting late and the goblins could be coming out when it's dark. Cause goblins, uh, or like regular orcs can't be out in the sunlight for very long. Cause it, the, it hurts their eyes. It hurts their skin. Basically, vampires. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, when Gandalf was talking about that, uh, Bilbo sneaks past uh, Balin, who is their kind of like a uh, their lookout guy, mm-hmm. and apparently he's like one of the better ones in the dwar- like in that little party of dwarves. So um, he gets past Balin, and then he uh, reveals himself. He kind of does it where he does like, he does it where he doesn't like appear in the middle of their circle, but he kind of does it like behind some bushes and he kind of walks around mm-hmm. and then, um, so everyone's so surprised, like you were saying, uh, and they're like, 
Yay, Bilbo, yeah. you made it out. So they're all happy he's alive, and then they're also now convinced that he is actually a good, like, top-notch burglar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they start to have hope that he can uh, carry out the the uh, the job that he was uh, contracted to do for mm-hmm. the dwarves, which was, I guess, steal treasure. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, stealing all that treasure from Smaug's horde would take a long time. Yeah. It'd but, be a lot easier with the ring, though. If you think about it, the ring is a performance-enhancing drug. Because yeah. Bilbo... Yeah. It's like it's like those baseball players who did steroids because Bilbo like used it and then came out and was like, "Look how good I am! Look how good I am!" Yeah, and but like, in reality, and he like was, a, a day before he was the worst. He in reality he was roided up. Yeah, he was roided. Yeah, the one ring is steroids. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's another part of kind of like his redeeming uh moment is besides the bravery and courage he did have in the caves, uh. Now the dwarves see him as a valuable member of their team, and they consider him a friend. And everyone's, you know, no one doubts him anymore. So now he's kind of he's kind of on top of the world right now. He's one of the cool uh, guys. He's like a hero. You know, he made it out of the goblin caves by himself, alive. And then now all of the dwarves are like, "Yo, that was sick." Yeah. What you just did? Dude, you can just, I have your autograph? You just <laughs> snuck past. You just snuck past Balin. <laughs> uh, so. But Gandalf, uh, like we said, kind of gave him a little sussy look. Yeah. He was sus. Sus to the max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he didn't say anything. He just kind of looked at him. So. He was letting him enjoy his moment. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to be like a Debbie Downer. Yeah, right. Well, actually, I think you're hiding something. Actually, I think you're hiding a deep, dark secret. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you're using steroids. <laughs> so <laughs> Actually, you're using steroids. He found steroids in the cave is what... Gandalf thing. Yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, this chapter is big for Bilbo. Well, and the last chapter as well. Uh, obviously, that one's big for Bilbo, but it's big mm-hmm. for Bilbo because in this chapter he has kind of like two things that are going up for him. So, uh, yay! Um, Every clap for Bilbo. Oh yeah, poetry clap. Yeah. Next, I want to talk about the wargs and the goblins. Kind of how uh, Jay mentioned that I was going to talk about how. Uh, they were mutually beneficial to each other. so Strictly business. Strictly business. So the wargs and the orcs or goblins, were they were obviously separate races. One was like these evil wolves and others were orcs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, like especially in the movies, it shows them as like the wargs were kind of like the orcs' pets. Or like mm-hmm. they're just like kind of like humans have horses, you know. But it wasn't like that. The wargs were out on their own. They were sentient. They were intelligent. And they did things on their own. They lived in their own communities. But once in a while, they would get together with goblins because the men in the Misty Mountains or on the eastern slopes of the Misty Mountains towards uh, Mirkwood uh, were starting to get bolder. And they had uh, big uh, bows. It mentions they have like yew bows, uh, which is a type of wood. And they, uh, uh, they've been basically killing off goblins and stuff. So that's why they're getting together to raid the villages so they have a better chance of plundering and uh the main reason the goblins want to get to the villages is for slaves mm-hmm. and then the main reason the wargs want to get to the villages is for food so mm-hmm. so it's win-win yeah win-win. well if you're looking from the evil point of view yeah and the goblins the goblins can help capture people for the wargs to eat i mean the wargs can kill them themselves but and then the goblins also can set fire to the villages causing the the people to run out of their homes and the wargs can catch them 
and then also the works provide transport uh quick transport to the villages and then a quick escape so they're like fast travel yeah basically mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you gotta have a checkpoint though first oh yeah yeah so uh that's that's kind of the relationship between the wargs and the orcs it's not um it's not like the wargs are uh the orcs pets but they're both they're pretty much equals mm-hmm. uh, at, at least that's how they see themselves and then uh like the chapter says too it's like they were originally planning on meeting up in that circle where the dwarves ended up being because they were going to raid a village that night but then the goblins were late to the meeting because of what happened with the dwarves in the cave um so by the time the goblins got there it all got planned out a yeah. little differently because they're like oh there's the dwarves that we're looking for yeah, the so. dwarves could have gone anywhere else than that one area where they were all going to meet. The one exact fine. area. Yeah. How yeah. unlucky. That is very unlucky. So I actually, I want to talk a little bit. This is the third thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about the uh, the race of men that live in the, the woods around the eastern Misty Mountains. Because that's something I like to, that's something I like to research for middle earth is like men (laughs) no (laughs) that's something i like no (laughs) is i like to um i like to learn about and like research the different races of middle earth and like where they all originate um who they're closely related to where they live and all that sort of stuff so these men they're called uh commonly wood men because they live like under the eaves of forests or in like in woods and stuff they uh they do a lot of logging and stuff and they have pastures with sheep and cattle and all that sort of stuff sounds like classic men yeah and so um i don't know if you if you're going to mention this when you talk about the eagles but the eagles uh say that um they used to go out to the pastures to kill the sheep but then the men with their u-bows they would uh, shoot at the eagles because they were scared of the eagles. And I mean, they're giant eagles trying to take their sheep. So, uh, so the eagles didn't go over there anymore, but then, uh, so I'll give kind of like a little history of who the woodmen are. Um, so long ago, <laughs> um, when the sun and the moon first arose in middle earth, which is, uh, the, basically the, I can't remember when it's in the first age. It's early on in the first age. Um, that's when the men awoke in the far east of middle earth and then from there they kind of spread westwards uh towards you know um the uh the whispers and rumors of the valar in the west so they started spreading out west and different uh tribes and clans started uh cropping up somewhat south into uh what is now uh herod or herod sorry and then uh, some remained in the east where rune is and then some started spreading into rovanion which is the area we're in right now. Uh, what we're yeah, talking, we're, we're, what we're, we're talking Grant about right now. Grant and I are right sitting <laughs> in Ravanion right now on location. I'm sitting in my vanion. Yeah. I don't know. That was okay. That was okay. But anyways, um, what we're talking about is Ravanion right now. That's basically the region that Bilbo and the dwarves are in. So um, these men, uh, they were what you would call um, – what am I trying to say? Okay, so – we have these guys who stay in the kind of the region of Rovanion where there's uh, Mirkwood, the giant forest, and there's like plains all around. There's the great uh, river vale of uh, Anduin, which is the biggest or the longest and largest river in Middle-earth. 
Uh, so there's a lot of good opportunity for farming and pastures and all that sort of stuff. So naturally, they would want to settle there. And then some uh, groups of men continued further west into where Beleriand is. That's where all the elves were living who didn't go over the sea. And those were called the Adain. There were three tribes of Adain. And uh, basically, they were the elf friends. And um, so the men that were related to the Adain that didn't go over the mountains stayed in the Vales of Anduin. And they, through the First Age and the Second Age, and then into the Third Age where we are um, with the Hobbit, they become the Woodmen. And so they're living in this area. And uh, after a little while, I mean, they're, they're in the far north. And after a little while, they start moving southwards to where kind of the Goblin Town area is. And that's where the, the wargs and the orcs or goblins start raiding them because they're starting to kind of encroach on their... Uh, their land or their kind of where their area is so um hold on let me find where i'm at my notes yeah so it says uh like some some bold woodmen and their families were attempting to make their way back to the north and they would cut down trees and they would build their settlements um along the river shores and in the woods and then uh they were also the kind of uh, the same kind of people that Bjorn comes from, and Bjorn comes into play in the next chapter. Uh, we won't talk much about him right now because we probably we'll have, talk about next chapter. We have a lot to explain in the next chapter. We we have to explain. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, a time for us to explain. Just, like a YouTuber apology. Yeah, just let me explain. <laughs> but anyway, so they are related to the Bjornings, and then they're also related to the uh, the Northmen of Dale and Lake Town. Um, because they all come from the same group, and they're also related to the Rohirrim, because the Rohirrim uh, used to live in the northern vales of Anduin a while, like a hundred years of years before. Mm-hmm. So they're all related to each other. So if you can just imagine, basically, kind of like the style of architecture, the style of like weapons, as the uh, Rohirrim and Rohan, that's basically what the Woodmen were. They're just a little more primitive because they didn't have. Like, they didn't have, like, cities or anything like that, or, like, fortresses. They just had, like, little walled towns or something. Mm-hmm. So, that was... Those are the people that the orcs and the wargs were going to raid. And those were the people that would shoot at the eagles as they tried to steal their sheep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the eagles say uh, that they won't take the party all the way uh, to the Blue Mountain. Because yeah. Because they're going to get shot at. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to get shot no. at. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a good summary. Yeah, so those are the three things I was going to talk about, and I did talk about them. Yes. And so, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go to ad break, and once we come back, we'll talk about the Eagles. Not the Philadelphia Eagles. No. The Middle Earth Eagles. I'm trying to think of other Eagle teams. Uh, I think that's uh, it. We'll think that's and it. then get back after the ad. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Okay, we're back from the ad break. We're back and pretty much the same as before, so... Yes. Um, I'm going to talk about the Eagles, and Grant can chime in whenever he wants to, because he's the expert. 
Yes. But so there's four eagles that are um that we know the names of and that are like notable. Um there's uh Thorondor. 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 Yeah, Grant's gonna correct me on these. This is my first time saying them out loud to somebody else. Uh Gwaihir. Yep, Gwaihir. Oh, nice. Gwaihir the Wind Lord. Yeah. Um Landrovel. 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 I was yeah. like, that sounds pretty close to Land Rover. Land Rover. Landrovel. Yeah, Land And then there's Melindor. Maneldor. Maneldor. Yep. Okay, let me go through that again. Okay. Thorondor. 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 Gwaihir. Gwaihir. Yep. Larendrovel. <laughs> Landrovel. Landrovel. And uh, I already forgot how to say this last Maneldor. One. Maneldor. Okay. So, uh, wait. Thorondor. Thorondor, yep. He's the main, he's like the big bad, well, big good, uh, Eagle of the first age. He's the king of eagles in the first age. So we're Th- gonna... Thorondor means eagle king. Eagle king, yeah. So he was he was the OG eagle king. So we're gonna start. I'm gonna start. Or when I talk about the first age, it's mostly about him. When I talk about the king of eagles. Um. So where do the eagles come from? They were created by the Valar Manway. Yep, Manway. Ma- Manway. Yeah. So they're often called in the first age the eagles of Manway. And they were essentially just messengers and spies of Manway. Um, and they would uh, go around and scout out, which is what they mostly did throughout the entirety of their time on Middle Earth. Yeah. Um, pretty much just, they pretty much just laid back um, yeah. in their mountain peaks, and they didn't really do much but watch, and then they would help if need mm-hmm. be. Yeah, so every once in a while they'd come out of their nests and help, but for the most part they would just scout and watch and spy, just be mischievous little little guys. Um, well, big guys, actually. Big guys. Big yeah. eagles. So I have a sample, or not a sample. I got something from the um, uh, Silmarillion uh, about, let me figure out where. Okay, so this is talking about uh, Manway's, uh, where he lives and just what he does. And so uh, it says here, spirits in the shapes of hawks and eagles flew ever to and from his halls, and their eyes could see to the depths of the seas and pierce the hidden caverns beneath the world. Thus they brought word to him of well nigh that passed in Arda, which is the planet that Middle-earth is on, if you didn't know. Uh, Yet some things were hidden even from the eyes of Manway and and the servants of Manway. For Melkor sat in his dark thought and penetral shadows lay. So what we learn from that is like they're scouts and spies. They can see everything, but they can't see through the dark shadows of Melkor so that's why that's how part of the reason Melkor was able to come to powers because uh he was able to do things in secret because the eagles couldn't see that yeah um but um if you don't know Melkor's the big bad guy of the first age yeah also Um, called Morgoth yes yeah there's an episode about him I don't remember which one uh probably it's It's called Morgoth the Rise of Minions (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one it is um but yeah, so uh, the eagles lived in Thangorodrim. Did I say that right? Yeah, you I got think it. I remember yeah. hearing that. But that was Thangorodrim was a group of three gigantic active volcanoes uh, in the Iron Mountains, which is the north of Middle Earth in the First Age. So that's where the eagles like did their thing. Yeah. So they pretty much just spied and everything, and then they helped people out. Uh, they rescued Baron and Luthien and brought them back to Thingol's court. Uh, we have an episode about Baron and Luthien. Um, so you can hear about that. I'm going to read the sample about that. I like I like finding samples of stuff. 
Okay, so it says, um, says this is so this is Baron and Luthien are stuck. They have the Silmaril. Baron's arm is cut off or hand is cut off. Yep, and they're stuck. Which is why he's called Baron Urkamian. Yeah. It means the one-handed. Mm-hmm. So it says, High above the realm of Morgoth, Thrandor and his vassal sword, seeing now the madness of the wolf in Baron's fall, they came swiftly down, even as the powers of Angband were released from the toils of sleep. And then it says, They lifted up Luthien and Baron from the earth, bore them aloft in the clouds. So they, that's <clears throat> one part where they show up in a big story, probably the biggest story of the first age. One of the biggest. Yeah. Um, most important to Tolkien, too. Yeah. That was his story. Um, he, uh, so the, they come, and in the, uh, um, in the History of Middle-Earth, Volume 9, Sauron Defeated, it says that um, the vassal of Thorondor was Gwai here. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't say it in the Silmarillion, but it says it in the History of Middle-Earth. So, um, and, oh, uh, I forgot to mention, Gwai here and his brother in, um... What Landrovel? Landrovel. Landrovel yeah. are brothers. Yeah, and their dad is uh, Thorondor. Yeah. So in this, in uh, it says he's a vassal, so it's just like family ties. You know, he's like yeah. he got the job because his dad's the king, the elder brother. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, but just because he got a job because his dad's a king doesn't mean he's bad. He's really good. He's probably one of the best. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last like big thing that the Eagles did in um. The first ages they fought in the War of Wrath, which is the war to 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 kill Morgoth and yep. get him out of there. Get him out of here. Yeah. Um. So it says here, but Arendil came, shining with white flame, and about Vingolot were gathered all the great birds of the heaven, and Thrandor was their captain, and there was a battle in the air all day and through the dark, through a dark night of doubt. So they fight, and they oh wait, who did they kill, or who did they fight? And Caligon the Black. Yeah. So they are like... Which is a huge dragon. Yeah, big dragon. So the eagles fight a dragon, which is, would be insane. Yeah. But they're big eagles. They're not regular-sized eagles. Um, <laughs> which would be weird if they carried yeah. the people. But so they uh, um, they uh, were very important and powerful people, but they weren't... They're more like... Um, I mean, they weren't like neutral, but they yeah. were more like they wouldn't go in unless they were needed. Yeah. And they would stay out of like wars and trifles and that was mostly because manway would order them to stay that way yeah Uh, and so that's another reason why i think we're we're gonna get this into this in a second but uh that's another reason why the eagles don't fly all of the heroes of middle earth everywhere yeah we're gonna answer the big question everybody asks but okay so that's the first age because that war of the wrath ends a first age and the eagles are still thriving yeah, as they do. So in the second age, obviously, if you know about Middle Earth, there's not a ton about the second age with story wise, but um, there is stuff. Grant kindly sent me his picture of page <laughs> 337 of Nature of Middle Earth, where it talks about the eagles, um, some part of the second age. Um, it says uh, this is talking about the birds of Middle Earth. Yeah, and it says the eagles were several kinds, but all were, but all were held sacred to Manway, where and were never molested nor shot. Not until the days of evil and hatred of the Valar began. Not until then did they, on their part, molest men or prey on their beasts. Um, so they, so it's they're just vibing, and they didn't really in Second Age. Nobody really like attacked them or anything. Yeah, they only attacked when attacked. Yeah. So, um, uh, and then it says, uh, their one pair ever dwelt and lived on the bounty of the king, 
wait, I, I should, probably should read the sentence before that word. Oh. That's something. So there was an airy, which is like a nest, yeah. um, of golden eagles in the summit of the tower of the king's place in Am- Armenelis. Oh, Armenelos. Armenelos. Which is probably uh, one of the cities that we might see in the Rings of Power. Oh, yeah. Uh, so maybe we could have birds. Oh. Golden eagles. I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. Yeah. So so we don't really know a ton about them in the Second Age other than that they were just there. Yeah. And they were like pacif- pacifists, I guess. Yeah. Because they really didn't do anything. Um, it says um, the the eagles would also watch at the, watch at the peak of Mount... Menotarma. Menotarma, yeah. Menotarma. Yeah. Um, and three eagles would always appear when someone climbed the mountain or climbed the summit during some festivals. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the names of those because. Yeah. I think one of the festivals is uh, Eric Yerme. Yeah, that's the first one. Yeah. Let me. Tr- I- I'm going to try to do the next two. There's Eru Hantele. Eru Hantele. Eru Hantele, yeah. Eru Hantele. That was pretty that was close. Pretty close yeah. yeah. And then Eru. Lytel, 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 Eru Lytel. Is it with the E at the end? Yeah, with the E with the two dots. So, yeah, the Eru Lytele. Tale. I just realized that when I read them, it's Eru, so it's about Eru. It's about Eru, yeah. Eru Luvatar of Middle Earth. I did, when we did the Christmas special, I'm pretty sure I talked about those. Oh, yeah. Because they were holidays. Yeah, but when I when I wrote this down, I didn't even try to pronounce them, so it never, I never made the connection in my head. But, um, Towards the end of uh, the Second Age, which was the fall of Numenor, right? That was the end of the Second Age, or yeah. no? Okay, yeah. Well, it was towards. Well, it was towards the end of the Second Age. Yeah. So towards the end of Numenor, the Valar sent storm clouds in the shape of great eagles in attempt to warn off, uh, warn off their enemies of the of their folly and impending doom. So uh, the eagles were respected and feared by the enemy because they yeah. just made clouds that were like the shape of eagles and that scared them. Um, but so that's pretty much all we know about them from the second age. Uh, hopefully we see them in the rings of power. Yeah. That'd be be sweet. They were there. But so third age, a lot happens, but after we get past the Hobbit, I'm not going to go into like super depth about what they did because that will just have, you'll read about that in the next books. Yeah. But I'll still talk about it. So obviously they helped out the party in the Hobbit and then they appear in the books again, but I'm not going to say because we'll just read about that when it comes up. Yeah. But, um, what they did in the uh, Third Age after The Hobbit is they scouted, uh, or they helped scout out in Saruman's plans. So this is from the Council of Elrond chapter of The Fellowship of the Ring. And um, it says, who's saying this? I think it's Gandalf saying this. Yeah, okay. So it says, that was the undoing of Saruman's plot. For Radagast knew no reasons why he should not do as I asked, and he rode away towards Mirkwood. We had many friends of old, and the eagles of the mountains went far and wide, and they saw many things. The gathering of wolves, and the mustering of orcs, and the nine riders going hither and thither, in hither and hither thither, and thither, hither and thither, in the in the lands. So they heard, and they heard the news of the escape of Gollum, and they sent a messenger to bring these tidings to me. So it's the eagles scheming again and being like, "Hey, scheming." Yeah, they're spying and um. Just really good source of information because they, because as <laughs> I said, yeah, as I said earlier, they can see really far. They can see things, yeah. lots of things, but not Morgoth's through his dark stuff, or whatever. Yeah, and um, probably Saruman's too. In the Silmarillion, Sauron, sorry. In the Silmarillion, I know uh, 
when whenever orcs would see an eagle above them, they would always lie down as flat as they could and try not to move because they were afraid the eagles would come and kill them. Well, that's cool. So, yeah, they were definitely the enemy of, uh, or basically Sauron and Morgoth's servants, the orcs, were all afraid of the eagles. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. So in this third age, Thorondor's not alive anymore? No. R.I.P. Well, Thorondor? Well, he might... Or, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. He might be alive, but he might have just gone over west to live with Manway. Yeah, yeah. So he's not a part of these. What happens in the third age? What yeah. happens in the third age is because nowhere, Gwai- nowhere is it said how long they live. Yeah. So, I don't know. But yeah. Gwai here, the Windlord, is the big bat or big good guy yeah. now, and then his brother Landravel, L- Landravel, yeah. and Menon Meneldor, Meneldor. Yeah. So Landravel and Gwai here, brothers, and uh. Menelador, Menelador. Um, he just shows up at the end. I'll talk about that in a second. But so, um, Gwaihir plays a big part in the War of the Ring. Yep. Um, so Gwaihir was the eagle who found Gandalf and Orthanc and yep. uh, helped him escape. Orthanc is where Saruman put. Yeah, put Gandalf to keep him, and then in the movie, there's like a moth, and he's like, "Hey, go, can you help me?" Yeah. Moth's like, "Sure, dude." Sure, dude. I'll go so, get Gwai here. So the moth flies. Actually, I read something too, where if you if you listen carefully, you can hear Gandalf say Gwai here when he's whispering to the moth. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't. That's I cool. never noticed that. I didn't either. Um, and so he does that, and then they helped with the battle of the Black Gate. They fought in that, which is the battle where everybody's like, "Hey, we're gonna go to Mordor and fight." And hey everybody, we're gonna go to Mordor <laughs> real quick and fight. You can join us if you want. <laughs> we'll be but there. Yeah. We'll be there all day. Yeah. So the so the Eagles got an invite, and they went there, and then they also rescued Frodo and Sam from Mount Doom because yeah. after they got the after the ring like was in the fire and Gollum was like, oh, I'm going down with the ring. They were like, Hey, we gotta get out of here. They called an Uber, and um, the ones that came and rescued him. This is where uh, Menelin, Men, Mel, Meneldor. Meneldor. This is where he comes in. He's one of the ones who rescued yeah. Frodo and Sam. Well, also the Eagles went after the the Nazgul on their uh, their fell beast, mm-hmm. the flying beast. Yeah. Um, because they saw them uh, flying super fast back towards uh, Mount Doom, and mm-hmm. so they're like, "Oh, we should probably follow them." Yeah. So here, this is from um, the Return of the King. This is after the Battle of the Black Gate, um, and Gandalf's like, "Hey, I need you guys to do a little something for me." So Gandalf says, uh, or no, Gwaihir says, the north wind blows, but we shall fly, outfly it, said Gwaihir. And he lifted up Gandalf and sped away south, and with him went Lendrovol and Menendolor. How do you say it? Meneldor. Meneldor. I sw- I, I'm listening, and you say it, and I try to remember it, but then when I go and I see the word, I'm like, my mind just goes blank. It's uh, it's the, the same, the first part of the word is the same as Meneltarma in Numenor. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it means something. Uh, I'm pretty sure Meneldor means eagle of heaven. Meneldor, okay. Yeah. So, and he's Meneldor is described as young and swift, and so there's they're the ones who go and are like, hey, we're gonna save Frodo and Sam, uh, and so they pick him up and take him. Um, so that's what they do, and then after that, they leave Middle Earth, and the eagles are like, uh, we've had enough of this, so we're out of here. But oh, also, I just looked up Landravel's name, and it means broad-winged. Broad-winged? Yeah. So he was, he was a big guy. Yeah, I want to look up Meneldor now. Well, Grant's looking those up. We're going to talk about um, a little conspiracy theory within the uh, um, 
uh, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings because in the Hobbit, as you probably read, yeah, it means Eagle of the Heavens. Really? I just put that together. Yeah, yeah, just on my own. That was well, crazy. Big brain, dude. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So in the Hobbit, as you probably read, none of the eagles are named. They only say Lord of the Eagles is yeah, the one yeah. who's named. So none of them have a name. But so some fans and scholars and just people, just people like us, some guys and girls know. and whoever, yeah. They theorize that Gwaihir and Landrovel rescued the party uh, from the band of wargs and goblins. Yeah. So th- even though it's not mentioned, they say, people are like, hey, that's probably those two guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Tolkien never says anything about it. never says, like, hey, this is it, but these are who they are. Yeah. But in The Return of the King, Gandalf says that Gwaihir carried him twice before. Um, and I then f- the third time was... Uh... Well, this was this when he was um when he just defeated the Balrog and he got resurrected, right? Yeah. Wait. Let me. Oh, yeah. This is where Gandalf. This is right before the last thing I read. It says, "Twice you have bore me, here my friend." Said Gandalf, "Thrice shall pay for all if you are willing. You will not find me a burden much greater than when you bore me from." Okay, Zirikzigil. 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 Yeah. I got that a lot closer than I thought. It's I a it's a dwarven word, so they have really hard language. Yeah. yeah. So when my old life burned away, that's after he fought the Belrog. Yeah, so the first time was Orthanc, mm-hmm. and then the second time was Xerxagil after he fought the Belrog, and then the yes. third time is when he's going to fly him to uh, Mount Doom to help. Yes. Right, yeah. So two times when he says that, third time is after that. Yeah. But if Gwaihir was the one who saved him in The Hobbit, it would have been four times. Four times. Yeah. So I uh, the, I have two theories about this. There's two possibilities. Yeah. It's either because Gandalf, or not Gandalf, <laughs> Tolkien wrote The Hobbit uh, before he even had, like, the whole, like, he was going to connect with the Lord of the Rings and all that. Yeah. So that's why he went back, if you listened to the last episode, he changed the uh, Riddles in the Dark chapter yep. uh, to fit with what was going to happen in uh, the Lord of the Rings. So he either just uh, didn't feel like going back and changing it, um, and it, he didn't think it mattered who the exact... Uh, eagles war or he just miscounted which probably didn't happen i think he just wrote the hobbit and then wrote lord of the rings and there wasn't he didn't think of the connection he didn't plan a connection there yeah um so it's possible but also gandalf says uh you've bore me twice and this will be the third which doesn't add up so Whose word you can take? So it could just be some dumb fans or tolkien's yeah so it could just be their different uh eagles uh, because well, Gwaihir the Wind Lord takes uh, the place of Thorondor after the first age, mm-hmm. and then um, it could just be that the Lord of the Eagles is just the Lord of the Eagles in that part of the Misty Mountains. Yeah, yeah, because it's not. It's makes sense that there would be different like clans or whatever of eagles or different groups yeah. of eagles. Yeah. What's what's a what's a family of birds called? Uh, or eagles. Or eagles. Because there's different, there's a lot of different, I'm going to look that Yeah, up. what's like a group of eagles called? Because there's yeah. like a flock of birds, but like. There's a murder of crows. Yeah. That's why I said it might be different. Yeah. A group of evil, <laughs> evils. <laughs> a group of eagles is called a convocation. A convocation. So it makes sense that it would be different convocations around Middle Earth. Yeah. But, um, so that's it about uh, the history of the eagles and everything. But Grant and I wanted to address something on this episode because a lot of people are like, hey, there's this plot hole, um, that big plot hole that has to do with the Eagles that would just solve the whole, that it would make 
Lord of the Rings book, like, what, like, two chapters, maybe? Yeah. Three chapters at the most. I don't know where I'm getting that number from. I don't it know. It could be four <laughs> chapters. It could be five. But why didn't the Eagles just fly the ring to Mordor and drop it in there, and then it would have saved time? I have three things written down. I don't know if you if you want to go. I'm just I... pretty much going to go off whatever. I didn't really prepare for this, so I'll okay. just go off of whatever you had. I, I'll read off what I wrote, and then you can, if I'll you... Just, I'll, just, I'll just piggyback. <laughs> yeah, piggyback. <laughs> You know what? I'll just lay the groundwork, and you build from there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I sounds good. <clears throat> I have three reasons, and um, so the first reason, uh, is the main reason that the War of the Ring succeeded is that Sauron was ignorant of what the Hobbits were doing. Yeah. And he didn't know, um, so that's how they were able to sneak through and everything, um, and he didn't suspect it. But yep. it would be hard to miss giant eagles flying towards Mordor. Yeah. And so he would have Plus been able he to... has the Nazgul on their flying beast that could easily. Yeah, so he would have yeah. been able to prepare for it. Yep. And yeah, so that's that's what I think it is, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Or like the main reason. Um, also, another reason, it would be very hard for an eagle to, because they'd be flying way up, to drop a little ring directly into. Yeah. Because there's. If, if they, they fly, if they flew close enough, they'd burn up probably, or it yeah. would be too hot. So. And if they dropped and missed, then they. The, Someone's really it's just go grab it, please. <laughs> you pick up for me. Yeah. But um and then the last ring I have reason or uh reason I have is that the one ring is too powerful uh for already powerful beings to possess. Yeah. Because the eagles are super powerful and um the ring could just corrupt them and then they could just fly it to Sauron. Yeah, because even even Gandalf was tempted to take mm-hmm. the ring for himself and he said even though i would do it or i would use the ring for good i would turn out evil because that's what the ring does it corrupts everyone so even frodo at the very end even though he was right there and he was ready to drop it at the very end he said no i claim it for my own because mm-hmm. it corrupted him so yeah. like it, it could happen to the eagles too mm-hmm. so but yeah i think it's be i think the most like concrete reasoning is that it would be way too obvious and Sauron would be able to stop it. Yeah. No, that's though that was the reason I was thinking too. I don't really need to piggyback too much off of you. Yeah. Cause that, those, yeah, those are the reasons I was thinking of, but also it would make for a not very interesting book. Yeah. So, <laughs> so even if, I mean the plot holes covered, but even if it was a plot hole, it would, it's still like a dumb thing to call out because yeah, there's a great story. Man. It's like, what do you, what do you want to read? Like a few chapters about an eagle flying the ring to Mordor and dropping it in and happy ending, or do you want to read this whole story with all these battles and yeah, yeah, yeah? I'd rather read the latter one. Yeah. So that's what we got about the eagles in this chapter. Yeah. Unless you have anything else to no, add. No, 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 no. Okay, so now we're gonna go to probably everybody's favorite part just kidding we don't have any input on i think this. it's kind of my favorite part honestly yeah well right now because of all the drama well, yeah, that's going yeah, on yeah. but we're gonna talk uh middle earth current events <laughs> welcome to middle earth current events it's uh current events about middle or on this earth pertaining to middle earth yes so I'm going to quick go over something, and then Grant's going to get into the juicy, juicy stuff. Yes. <laughs> juicy. So, uh, even though the Lord of the Rings current events world has been flooded with the one, or the rings of power yep. and all that stuff, which we'll get into in a second, um, something, there was some a little light shining, which was, uh, there was a relaunch of the Tolkien website, yeah. the official Tolkien estate website, yeah. so Tolkien's estate. They relaunched their website, which is just TolkienEstate.com. 
Um, but it, it, they, it looks really nice and they added some new stuff. There's new paintings and photographs, like Tolkien, original paintings and photographs of him, audio recordings of him and video clips of him and his son, Christopher. Yeah. Um, and then there's some of his calligraphy and maps and then like a timeline of his life. Yeah. So there's a lot of new stuff, uh, that they released. Yeah, I've heard a few of the voice recordings. Like he reads off some like sections of like books and stuff, like the Ride of the Rohirrim mm-hmm. or like the Ents and stuff like that, and it's pretty sweet. It is interesting to hear him read it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's out. It's how, however he reads it is how he imagined it when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of cool. Yeah, I, I the uh, Rohirrim one was really cool. Yeah, I yeah. watched that. That was pretty sweet. And listened to it. Um, but yeah, so a ton of new stuff, which is super interesting because I mean he's a really good he's um a good artist yeah he um, is yeah it's interesting just i i always like seeing yeah i always like seeing like uh, authors drawings and stuff because it's how they imagined it yeah and it's like from directly from the source yep um and it's just it's always great to get new tolkien uh stuff <laughs> tolkien <laughs> yeah stuff yeah anything new from tolkien um and it was released or relaunched on february 26th which was significant do you know what happened on february 26th in the third age uh, no it was the breaking of the fellowship oh. february 26th so the gotcha. day february 26th i don't know what exactly what year in the third age but the breaking of the fellowship happened on february 26th and i think it would be 3019 yeah probably it is 30 something i know that but um so it's a significant thing and uh just before we move on i do want to mention the uh uh, War of the Rohirrim anime. Um, yeah. It, uh, there was some pictures that came out, but there are, uh, and it looks interesting. I'm not a big anime guy, but I'm thinking I'm going to watch yeah, well, it. I'm, yeah, I'm going to watch it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there are stuff going on. We'll probably cover it later with the rights that Warner Bros brothers have Yeah. because they're producing it and they have to produce something or have an intent to produce something every few years or something. Certain amount, yeah. certain number of years. And the, um, it's not the Tolkien estate, but it's something that has to do with the rights of Tolkien yeah. is claiming that they didn't do it in time. Oh. So they, there's a chance that Warner brothers might lose their rights oh. to Lord of the Rings, but there's not enough about it to do like a whole story thing about yeah. it. So I'm just mentioning that as a thing, but the anime I looks think, exciting. I think it's uh set to come out 2024. Yeah. Is what I saw. Yeah, so, so it's another thing to look forward to. Yeah. So that'd be a cool movie. And then we've got, in the meantime, we've got the Rings of Power to watch mm-hmm. coming this September. Yes. So, um, so I, why don't you why, why don't you tell us what you found on the current events? Yeah. So um, recently there was a like kind of like a leak of information from the Rings of Power, as in a uh, uh, like a like a a plot line that's Mm kind of going on or like some of the plot and then like a details about a scene and so basically i'll i'll let you know the title here um it's on bounding into comics.com is where this article is i'll I'll link it in the description yeah and and the article's name is new lord of the rings the rings of power leaks detail galadriel's rage and plot information about hellbrand and hellbrand is that uh original character for the series he's a just a human Mm -hmm. uh we don't actually know so Mm -hmm. who he is so yeah so i'll i'll kind of go through i won't read it word for word but i'll go through a little bit about what it's saying let me angle my mic a little bit. So I can oh wait, well, Grant's doing that. It's the um, leak was leaked, or it was leaked by Fellowship of Fans, which is yeah. a Twitter account. I did yep. a little research on it. Um, 
I don't know exactly where they get their information from, but it wasn't a it was a Twitter account and they have a website and stuff. But it was made specifically f- in it was made in 2020 specifically for the Rings of Power leaks. Yeah. So that's what. So if you go on their Twitter account, there's other leaks too. But this was like the big one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Fellowship of Fans usually though they're pretty accurate with mm-hmm. like if they do have leaks, it usually does end up coming out that those leaks were true so yeah this is likely true and if it if it is true just brace yourselves because some of the stuff in here is like if you're a big tolkien fan and you are a big fan of the lore and stuff like that you might be a little mad about what they're doing so if you're in a car you might want to pull over (laughs) you might cry um but if it's not real then you're gonna want to sit down for this yeah so uh they talk about a scene with uh or like this kind of like plot and a few scenes with uh, Halbrand and Galadriel because we see them on a boat, like on a raft out at sea. They're kind of like shipwrecked. And so um, it seems that Galadriel and Halbrand actually shipwreck and then they land on the island of Numenor. And they're brought before the courts of the king. Um, and uh, it says here they're brought before the court of Muriel and Farazon by Elendil to the surprise of everybody still in the rags from when they were rescued from the shipwreck. So Muriel is uh Tar Muriel. She's the queen of Numenor. And then Farazon is our Farazon the golden, who is the last king of Numenor. Um, and Muriel is his cousin mm-hmm. and they married each other. Oh, well, wow. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Tolkien. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. But it does mention that they're brought, uh, to the king and queen by Elendil who's mm. a big character. Yeah. So he's the father of Isildur and Anarion and basically the uh, ancestor of Aragorn. Mm-hmm. So, um, so talks about that. So um, I'll get into a couple of things that I think are wrong about that, but I'm just going to read each tweet first before I kind of talk about it. Uh, the next one, uh, tense introduction follows verbal standoffs between Galadriel, Muriel, and Farazon, where Galadriel proclaims her lineage. It's Halbrand who tries to act as the conciliatory one and keeps Galadriel's rage in check. A few things wrong with that one. Uh, <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. Um, in the trailer, here's the next one. In the trailer, the Numenorians are saving Galadriel and Halbrand from the shipwreck. During their voyage to Numenor, all three, Elendil, Halbrand, and Galadriel, become closer. Uh so, uh, not well. There's yeah. <laughs> I gotta talk about it too much. Uh, here's the other one. Um, in season one, our Farazon will be Muriel's chief advisor and will unexpectedly defer to Muriel's seniority. But for the most part, he acted like he was in charge, but not king. There's something wrong with that one. <laughs> uh, uh. So basically, it just kind of talks about like a few of those things in like the plot. Uh. It talks about how Muriel is the queen and our Farazon, her husband, is the advisor to her, but then eventually steps up and kind of takes over her place. Um, and then it talks about how Galadriel and Halbrand shipwreck to Numenor. Elendil finds them and then uh, brings them to the court. Uh, they become closer, and then I guess they uh, they get brought somewhere by guards, either to like it says either to like a jail cell or oh here's here's a tweet that I missed. Here it is. <laughs> literally what I was talking about. Uh, They're both then marched off to their quarters, uh, both as in Halbrand and Galadriel, marched off to their quarters or jail, unconfirmed, by guards, during which time Halbrand secretly gets a dagger from Elendil. This is when Galadriel fights off guards, not when she arrives to Numenor. So there's a few things I have 
about this whole thing. So, Galadriel in the books, well, this is just how it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. is not supposed to leave Middle-earth. And it's not like it's not like it's a, an advice. Like, you don't leave Middle-earth because you'll regret it. It's more mm -hmm. like she's banned from yeah. leaving Middle-earth. So, I don't know what she was doing on a ship to Wait, go. Why was she banned from leaving Middle-earth? So, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. Okay. I don't know why she was on a ship at, at all in the first place. Um, because she can't. Mm -hmm. And I'll get to that she's in a second. So she's uh, I'll, I'll get to it right now, actually. <laughs> so she's bound. The point, she's right? bound to Middle Earth because of what happened in the first age with uh, Feanor, the Oath of Feanor, and how uh, Feanor vowed to um, kill Morgoth and all of his servants just to get his Silmarils back. Basically, do anything they can to get the Silmarils back, and they uh, basically betrayed the trust of the Valar, and they uh, they left Valinor or Oman and they went to Middle Earth so they could go be close to Morgoth so they could steal the Silmarils back. Mm -hmm. And uh Galadriel was a part of that group, but she was she didn't take part in the oath, but she was a part of the group that got banned from Valinor um because she wanted to go to Middle Earth anyways to mm -hmm. like she desired to have like a kingdom of her own to rule cuz she heard the words of Feanor and Feanor was like, "Well, why not like the the lands of Middle Earth are wide and uh, pretty much uninhabited. So he's like, why not take the lands for ourselves? And the Gladriel heard that and she's like, yeah, I kind of want to have a kingdom on my own. That'd be pretty cool. So she goes Who over doesn't? there, but she's not basically she's basically not on the same page as Feanor as far as she'll do anything to get the Silmarils back because they don't really mean much to her. Mm -hmm. So she goes over to Middle Earth anyways. Um, she's a she's the daughter of Finarfin and Finarfin is Feanor's. Uh, brother so basically fanor is her uncle mm -hmm. and uh yeah so she goes to middle earth and she's a part of the group of elves that gets banned from valinor so she can't leave mm -hmm. middle earth that's one of the main reasons and also because the elves as they were leaving valinor they came to the havens of alqualande where their cousins the teleri were the elves and they were like, hey, can we have these boats to like sail across the ocean to get to Middle-earth? And they're like, uh, no, because the Valar just told us what you're up to. And then Fanor and his elves kill the Teleri and take their ships. And Gladriel wasn't a part of that either. But because that was one of the main reasons they got banned too is because they killed elves, their, mm -hmm. own, their own people. So uh, once she got to Middle-earth... Um, she stayed in the realm of Doriath, which is where King Fingal was and uh, Melian the Maya. And uh, so because they were actually uh, somewhat related to Fingal pretty closely, actually, I think it was like her great uncle or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly, but she, uh, she meets there Celeborn. Uh, you see Celeborn in the, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. He's uh Galadriel's husband. And, uh, so she meets Celeborn there, and they get married uh, in Doriath, and so they stay with each other for a while. And then she goes and visits her brother, who lives in Nargothrond. Her brother's uh, Finrod, Felagund, and uh, who we is rumored to make an appearance in the Rings of Power series. So there's a lot of connections here. Don't people here. think he's the uh, the short gold yeah, fighting. with the gold armor fighting? Yeah, that's yeah. who they think he is. So um, yeah, so she gets there in Middle Earth, and uh, it makes her like. 
what all the articles are pointing to and what the 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 showrunner uh adam mckay is saying is that she's going to be she's going to be young and she's going to be brash and she's going to be angry about what happens in the first stage mm-hmm. and with Feanor and all that sort of stuff um but the thing is is she's uh she's old mm-hmm. <laughs> she was born in the the year of the trees this was before the first age she was born in the years of the trees uh i think 13,562 um and the years of the trees weren't actual like full years they were like 144 years per year Mm -hmm. so basically take one of our years it's actually 144 years Mm -hmm. is the time span a long time and then by the time the sun and the or the trees or the by the time the sun and the moon came about then it was counted years like we know it now so she by the second age she's anywhere from like i mean it's kind of hard to estimate exactly but by the time of the second age she's anywhere from 13,000 to 40,000 or even up so she's an, she's old she's like mm-hmm. a on middle earth by the third age she's one of the oldest elves still alive other than Kirdan. so it's kind of stupid to assume or it's kind of stupid to make her like a young and angry and brash elf. Yeah, because if doesn't she's make older sense. than everybody, then everybody else would also yeah. just be young. And... Yeah, she's like one of the oldest elves even in the Second Age. Mm-hmm. And and she's already very wise, and she's married to Celeborn, but it makes her seem like she's you know just a, like a teenager that's out on her own mm-hmm. doing her own thing. But she's married to Celeborn by the Second Age, or like even way before the Second Age. And she also has a daughter during the sec- like early Second Age. Uh, who whose name is uh, uh Calibrion. and Calibrion marries Elrond so oh, wow. yeah so Galadriel is basically Elrond's mother-in-law so it just makes it seem like Elrond and Galadriel are like the same age whereas Elrond is only a few hundred years old mm-hmm. or like maybe a thousand by the yeah. time the show starts so I don't know I, I just think they don't have the right age or representation for the elves so that's what i'm saying and then uh here's another thing about numenor that whole scene with uh, muriel and Farazone. so Farazone, though he was not born as the heir apparent to the current king who was uh tar palantir uh he marries his first cousin once she becomes queen so that's muriel um and the, uh, muriel isn't at first she's opposed to marrying her cousin because it's illegal in the laws of numenor and, and everywhere else pretty much yeah pretty much Earth. Not not for elves. Oh yeah, you can marry your cousins. Elves got a elves yeah. got a pass. They yeah. have a pass. They don't got a pass. They have a pass. <laughs> yeah, they have a pass. So uh, yeah, it's just not w- weird for them, I guess. But um, so he marries his cousin. It's basically legal, and she opposes at first, but then she, I mean, she can't like do much about it because she doesn't have much power within the kingdom. Because not everyone liked her father, the mm-hmm. king, but a lot of people were rallied around Farazon, so she just kind of gave into it and was like, whatever. And he, our Farazhan is called the Golden because he's extremely wealthy. Because he used to go uh, sail to Middle Earth to the shores and he would raid these kingdoms of men and come back with uh, his plunder. So, yeah, so he marries Tar Muriel and he becomes our Farazhan, the Golden. And uh, and then he makes uh, Muriel take or like get rid of her elvish name and take the name of Numenorians and her name became uh, Arzimrafel. So, um, yeah, so right away off the bat, it's not like 
Tar or it's not like Muriel was queen and then our Farazone was just her little advisor. It was basically he took authority right away. He basically usurped the throne. So yeah, so she wasn't really in charge and he was always kind of like evil and always scheming to get power and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a few things wrong with if that scene is true, there's quite mm -hmm. a few things wrong already with how that's going to pan out. So I'm not exactly happy about that, but I'm still going to watch it. Yeah. You know, because there could be other redeeming qualities about the show besides that. There's supposed to be, I think I read another article. I can't remember where it is. I think it's even within the article that we will link. I think it's like one of those related articles. Mm -hmm. It's talk. It talks about how there's uh, four plot lines within the uh, show, and it's going to be about the War of the Last Alliance of Elves and Men which is where you get Gilgalad, Elendil, Sildur, Elrond, all those people. It's going to have uh, the rise and fall of Numenor. It's going to have Sauron uh, as he's developing like all these plans to take over Middle-earth. And then it's going to have the forging of the Rings of Power. Um, so those are the four main ones. And then I guess Galadriel is supposed to be a big part of Sauron's story um, because she's trying to figure out where he is and trying to take down him before he can uh, execute his plans. And then also, I think the showrunner Adam McKay said something about how the first season is going to be more or less an introductory season, and it's not going to be centered around Sauron. It's not going to be what he said, a, a villain-centric season. And he said then season two is going to be more, will involve Sauron a lot more, mm -hmm. and then it will be more like there's a whole, like, more cohesive plot going forward. So that's I guess that's something to kind of think about. Like, don't... Like, it must if you're probably confused by everything, it's probably just because they're introducing everything and you're going to be confused learning everything for the first time. So Yeah, but maybe they'll do... I just thought of this. It's just like maybe a way... Because a lot of people are upset about the compressed timeline. Yeah. Um, Raise your hand if you are. <laughs> oh, Grant, I both raise their hands. <laughs> um, so the one way I think that they... Maybe they haven't said anything about this yet because they don't want to give too much away. But maybe because sometimes this might be a little confusing with the four plot lines. Yeah. But sometimes TV shows have or movies and just stories, I guess, will have two different plots going that take place at different times. Yeah. So maybe, like the, I know the Witcher, the first season of The Witcher was like that. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they'll have the plots. So because they say they all happen in season one and people are saying or assuming that they're going to happen at the same time in, like, the years. Yeah. So maybe they're doing, like, a, a four separate stories, and then they'll all connect in season two. That's just, like, maybe that there's no proof of that or yeah. reasoning behind it other than maybe they did that way to not compress the timeline. But there was something, um, the Tolkien professor, uh, I forgot his real name. Uh, but Corey... Uh... It's Corey something. I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, but he uh, he had a live stream uh, the other day where he uh, had like a conversation just about everything that's going on with the um, thing and uh, or the uh, um, rings of power stuff. And he said something that I thought was interesting. He said, um, and I thought was like reassuring, kind of. He said that when he sees people complain about the uh, um, or like are worried about it, he says he can. Most of the time, guess what age they are. And it's because he said, um, 
the older people who are like 40, 30 or 40 or whatever, yeah. they went through a similar thing with the movies. Yeah. There was a lot of people upset about yeah. the lore of the movies, and that turned out good. I'm not saying that this is going to be as yeah, great yeah, as a movie, yeah. but it was a little reassuring to know that this isn't like the, f- this has happened before, and it turned out okay. Yeah. Or great, obviously, but um, so maybe it's not going to be a total failure, and there, there might be light at the end of the tunnel, but we'll just have to wait until September 2nd to see. Or so. something big comes out. Yeah. But yeah. But thanks for going over that, Grant. Yeah, Very so informing. That's that l- all I have on the article. It'll be linked in the description if yep. you want to read it for yourself. But we're going to end this episode with uh, a little bit of trivia. A little bit of trivia. Back to our regular trivia instead of riddles, yeah. which was fun. Which was fun. Yeah. But, you know, you can't do riddles every time. It has to be something special. If you do it every time, it's something special. Right. So we're going to do quiz. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. As in, like, I'll say the questions first. Yes. Or the question. You'll ask the question so, first. My question, it's pretty. I would say it's pretty easy because I just went over it um, within the current events. It, uh, is it a name? It's names, yeah. You could you could probably quiz me and do how do, how do you pronounce this name and I get it wrong every time. No, you don't have to pronounce it right. I'll know who you're talking about. But um, so it's basically it, there's three answers to it, but one of them is just going to be a bonus if you want to do it. Uh, so the first question is, who is Galadriel's husband? Kelborn. Kelborn. Yeah. Yeah. And who is Galadriel and Celeborn's daughter? Oh, I I it starts with it starts with like Kella or something. Yeah. I don't I don't know the full yeah, name. Yeah, it's Celebrion. Celebrion. Yeah. Okay. Um and then if you want to do the bonus one then to kind of redeem yourself for yeah, that. Yeah, do the bonus. Uh who is Galadriel's father? It's Feanor's brother. Um it's not Finrod, that's her brother, right? Yeah, that's her brother. Finrod's her brother, but it starts with an F, right? Yeah. I can give you another hint if you get stuck further down. I'm just trying to think of the name. So, uh, Finrod is not, and what was the brother? Feanor. Feanor is the brother of her dad, or her uncle. Yeah. Uh, can you give me another hint? It's one of the Finn. Finrod, Finarfin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause they there's Fingolfin too, right? There's yeah. There's uh, Finrod, Fingon, Fingolfin, and Finarfin. Yeah. And Finway. Fenarfin, that's a good yeah. name. Fenway, yeah. So you redeemed yourself with that. I did last redeem one, yeah. it. I did need a little help though. But I'm proud of myself for getting the names. Yeah, yeah. That's why I struggle with that in real life and in Middle Earth. Names. Yeah, you got it. Even when even names in real life are a lot at least American names are a lot easier than yeah. <laughs> Middle Earth names. Like Tim and Jim and John and Steve. Yeah. They're just <laughs> easy names. Yeah. Okay, my question is from the chapter, so you're going to have to think back to the chapter. And this might be a little hard, uh, um, ah. but, you know, you're the expert. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not going to I'm not yeah. gonna put you down if you get it wrong, because yeah. I don't know if I'd get this right if I was asked this. Okay. But I would get it right now, because I know the answer. Okay, oh, so right. when, when the dwarves go up in the trees, they don't all go in one tree. They spread out to different trees. And the first tree Tolkien mentions, he describes as enormous like a Christmas tree. What two dwarves were the ones in the Christmas tree tree? In the, oh, I'll give you. Do you want a hint? Or like yeah, a, I'll take a hint. The okay, because there's thirteen dwarves. Yeah, so that's these be hard. these two dwarves are almost always mentioned together. Like their names, they always go together. Is it Philly and Kelly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. them. Cool. Oh, bonus one. Who who helped uh, Bilbo up the tree? Oh. uh... Was it Dory? Yes. Sweet. Good job, Grant. Yeah. Oh, another one. You want another oh, bonus? Sure. What dwarf was in the tree with Gandalf? 
Uh, Thorin? Nope. No. I've... It's a trick question. He was by himself. Oh, dang. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if there were any dwarves, it would have been Thorin, probably. No, Thorin... I don't know. Thorin wasn't in the tree with... Uh... He was in a different tree, but he was the one who was like, hey, Dory, why don't you help him out? And Dory oh, okay. was a good guy, and he's like, I'll help him out. And the wargs came, and it mentions how Dory didn't just abandon him and let Bilbo get up before he got He, like, up. jumped down the tree and helped him up, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah. then the wargs came, and instead of jumping up, he waited till Bilbo got up before he got back up. Yeah. Good guy. What good a guy. good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this episode, episode 17. Yeah. Well, let me check quick. I'm, I'm pretty gonna... sure it's 17. Yeah, but I want to make are you sure checking? we're not oh. going to do this next episode. It's going to be two, a two-part oh. chapter. Okay, so the next chapter is Chapter 7, Queer Lodgings. Yeah, right? this one, we'll just, we're just going to do Queer Lodgings. Just one chapter. What's, what's the one after that? Is that Spiders? Uh... Uh, flies and Spiders. Flies and Spiders. And then Barrels yeah, and Bounds. Yeah, we'll do. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do a double one for so, that. So for the next episode, just read uh, Queer Lodgings. It's just one chapter, and we'll see you then. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Middle Earth. We had a great time making it and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you did enjoy the podcast and want to support us, there's two ways you can do that. One way is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. This helps us a lot because it builds up our reputation. You can also share this episode or the podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle__earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth where we will post updates and behind-the-scenes pictures. The link to those will be in the show notes. Each episode goes up every other Monday, so episode 18 will be up on March 28th, and it will cover chapter 7 of The Hobbit, so be on the lookout for that. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.